0: Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you here today at Crosstown. I want to welcome the youth back. I think most of them will probably show up at our uh, 11 o'clock. They got a Jesus hangover work that they're working on right now. But they just came back from their youth trip, and oh, there they are. All right. Um, and they had a great time. Man, uh, you know, when you're my age, you, You know, we get a little crusty and a little old and we get a little like, you know, the church thing and all the other stuff that we do and the kids are all screwed up and what's wrong with America today. I tell you what, when you begin to hear the stories of of twenty something kids coming back from a youth trip and their youth leaders are all fired up you all of a sudden realize, listen, God is still doing what God is going to do in this world, and it is absolutely amazing. So if you are part of contributing and praying to that trip to make it happen, let me just tell you, well done. Thank you very much. It was well worth it. And uh, we have some great young people in this church. So let's give it up for our youth team. Yeah. Man. So we've been talking about the, the, the Chosen series, we've been talking about having a Chosen summer, and we've been using the TV uh, show, if it's right to call it even a TV show, but, and we talked about Mary, we looked at her, how God restored dignity to her, we looked at the fisherman known as Peter, who becomes an apostle, and how he lived with a sense of dependency on the mercy of God, and then we looked at Nicodemus last week, and the inner uh, confidence that he had in order to live with outward courage, and that he had to have this conversation inside about God, with God, in order for him to have the courage that he lived with in front of the world around him. Today's going to be a little different. Um, of the whole show, uh, and I don't want to say the whole Bible, but of the whole show in the way that it's presented, there is no character or no representation that speaks more personally to my life than this particular episode that we're going to see. Um, it's going to be very visceral. It's going to be very thoughtful. Um, it's going to be about a man, one of the apostles to be, named Nathaniel. Now, there is some conjecture in it about that maybe he's had a personal failure, or a, uh, some sort of disappointment in his life. But the story is put together in accordance with the scriptures. Uh, and so let me just say, a lot of times you come out at a church and you're, you're like, I do some super cheerful thing and we all run out the door and, you know, go to the mall and, you know, go to Old Charlie's and just, you know. But today's going to be a little bit different. Uh, but it will get to the core of who you are. And sometimes that's what's so uncomfortable about it, is we, we want to avoid the core of who we are. So let's watch together. Blessed are you, blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe. Here is right, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. My prayer oh Lord. Not my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call No. This was done for you. Do not hide your face from me. intense moment and even though this cinematic moment um, is some of it's an artistic creation this is the kind of moment that is as common as a human heartbeat it's that moment um, when you're wondering what the heck is going on and even though we don't know exactly what Nathaniel said under the tree The scriptures record over and over again, the angst of every human soul. David wrote it this way in Psalm 102. He said, and maybe it was said like it is portrayed with Nathaniel. Hear my prayer, O God, and let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me in the day when I call. Answer me quickly. I think if you could take it all and, and put it together, it would be what happens in the human soul that we get to the place where we, we cry out to God, do you see me? I mean, do you actually see me? Are you really there? Do you really care about my life? You may not have shouted it in a field all by yourself, but you may have felt just as much alone. Alone with your failures, alone with your pain, pain, uh, alone with your grief, Alone with your fears? I don't think this is a personal cry. I don't don't think this is just something that weird people feel. Or people who are depressed feel. Or insecure people feel. I think it's the cry of every rational person who has ever felt overwhelmed or rejected or alone. You know, I, 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 I've always thought it was funny that Dr. Jordan Peterson, when asked the question on why people do cocaine, answered it this way. He said, I don't understand why everybody doesn't do cocaine. <laughs> because when you begin to breathe in life, when you begin to see the issues of life, the mortality, the pain, the difficulty, the loss, the failures, whatever they are, I mean, you either turn to something or your soul shouts to God, do you see me? Are you there? Are you even listening? I don't think this is a cry for fix my problem. I think this is deeper than that. I think it is about a fundamental human problem that we all uh, share, and that is the need to be seen. I think we all need to be seen. I think it's something that's woven into our psyche. I don't know how, but we need to be seen. We need to know that somebody cares. And in order for somebody to care for us, they must see us. It is like the most primary human need. I mean, I know food's really important and sex is really cool. But being seen to be known to be cared for, is so important. To, to know that somebody hears you, to know that you are personally known. The Apostle Paul says that at the end of the age, whenever we go to heaven, and, and we've all wondered what it's like to go to heaven, and we're not some disembodied you know, spirit that ha- you know, like Casper the friendly ghost or something like that. We are, we are more persons in heaven than we are here. Here, we're trying to be seen. We work to be seen. We wonder if we're seen. We don't even see ourselves rightly. But we are told in heaven, Paul says, when that which is perfect come, I will know as I am known. That the great fulfillment of the human soul is not only to see and to know God, but to also be fully, fully, entirely Known. It is the great exhale of the human spirit. <sighs> Finally, somebody gets me. Somebody knows me. Somebody sees. And then that cascades into somebody cares for me. Somebody hears me. I have learned that pain is only turned into misery when you believe that you are alone in your pain. Pain neurologically can be measured to some degree, but it becomes this mental construct of misery when you're going through it all by yourself. That's why people who have pain and and hope to recover from their pain or live with their pain will find people with the same kind of pain. When I hurt my back, I, I didn't want to talk to you people that walk in upright and erect. You know, I don't want to talk to you. I want to find somebody else with a bad back. I want to find somebody else what it's like to have to take Oxycontin. I want to find somebody else that's been told that they can't play sports anymore. I want to find somebody else that's living in this place of hurt. How are you dealing with the hurt? And even if you both don't come up with a solution, the fact that you are known by that other person is is enough to stay away misery in your life. Having the face or an ear of a person who cares for you is the most powerful elixir in the world. And so many of us think that we'll be better if we are fixed. No, we will be better even if we're not fixed if we are fully known. That is the human fix, is to be seen. And in that scene, to be known and to be loved. For you, it may not have been this uh, creative existential moment when you cried out in a field. It may not have been a specific moment or that brought you, brought it to a head. But you may be manifesting this cry out differently. Instead of, do you see me to the heavens? You may be crying out this way. Your relentless need to succeed. You don't just succeed to succeed. You succeed relentlessly. Why? To be seen. Your resume is your most important thing, and you love sliding it across the table because you've worked so hard to produce it, to work where you work, to work with the people you've worked to accomplish the things that you've accomplished, because you think in the collection of all this, and when I slide it across the table and they spin it around and they look at the resume, they'll look up from the resume and go, wow. And for some of us, that's what work is. We have maybe this shout that manifests itself as the need to be the best at what we do. It may be the need for acquisition. To keep you from thinking you will ever need anyone in your life maybe for you the shout out is to try to surround yourself with so much stuff so much success so that you will drown out the need of anyone and i know a lot of you something usually it manifests itself in the masculine a little bit more than the, the feminine that i don't need anyone i'm successful You know, I got, and and what you do is you, you, you just surround yourself with your stuff and your acquisitions so that you can really insulate yourself from hearing the inner voice that says, I need to be seen. Wait, I mean, isn't it in America that we rise to so much power and acquisition so that you can say this one phrase, I don't need anyone? I don't need anyone. As if that is the triumph of humanity. It's just a pseudo and ineffective way to try to squelch the cry of the human soul that needs to be seen. We all need to be seen. Have no doubts about it. In in our own ways, at some point in your life, we all scream to heaven, do you see me? whether it was John the Baptist doubting his doubting heart while he was waiting to have his head cut off. I mean, a man who's fully secure and in, in his being called by God, I mean, he has this moment and it's like, Jesus, are you the one? I mean, it's like, did I get this right? Or maybe the blood of Abel crying out from the dirt after being murdered by his brother. Do you see me? Did you see what he just did to me? Or Joseph, the patriarch, who was falsely accused of a crime he didn't commit and sentenced to prison. God, do you see me? Do you see the injustice of our world? Do you see the racism? Do you see the prejudice? Do you see the abuse? Do you see me? Or the old woman bleeding to death in the middle of a crowd and nobody taking any time to help her. Or little Zacchaeus, who has to climb up on the end of a tree in order to get a place where he can see, let alone be seen. Or Peter's anguish after he denies Christ and he runs out into the dark. Or maybe it's possible with Nathaniel. In a moment of failure or loneliness or disappointment of life that he feels what we feel, that realization that we all just need to be seen. Let's watch. Nathaniel. He's the one. The one? The one who Moses foretold and the prophet said would come. The one? What? The one, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Nazareth? <laughs> oh, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Come and see. Oh, little dump on a craggy hilltop. I'm serious. Honestly, Philip, saying the one is a Nazarene is practically heresy. Just come and see. Rabbi. Well, this is a good night. Do you know who stands beside you there? This is my friend, Nathaniel. Yes, the truth teller. I'm sorry? Man is often deceitful, and Israel began with Jacob a bit of a deceiver, yes? Yes but one of the great things about you is you are a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. What did you say about me? What is this? How do you know me? I have known you long before Philip called you to come and see. Don't look at him. Look at me. When you were in your lowest moment, and you were alone, I did not turn my face from you. I saw you under the fig tree. Yes, sir, I. <laughs> I knew it. Well, that didn't take long. He <laughs> doesn't mess around. <laughs> because I said to you, I saw you under the victory. you believe? <laughs> you are going to see many greater things than that. Like Jacob, you are going to see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That's me, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I got that. There is so much here, but the scene in the show and in the scriptures isn't very long. I personally think that other than the resurrection from the dead, that this miracle is the greatest miracle Jesus ever performed. Um, Why could the biblical narrative grab you and Nathaniel so quick? Some want to ascribe to the fact that maybe Nathaniel was super special and he was more receptive. The only thing that we know is that in him there was no guile, which is the pretense of trying to make yourself be seen in a certain way that is not really who you are. So he wasn't caught up in pretense. He just wanted to be seen. So, But I don't think there was something special about him because the scene grabbed me, and, and I believe the scene grabbed you also. Why? It's because it's the part of you that is most needy. You got it. It's kind of like this part of you is just hanging out, waiting to be grabbed. And that's why it's like, this is so amazing. See, this is why people love social media so much. It's not because it's technology. I mean, it's, 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 it's because it puts in our hand the capability of being seen. I can post something. And then what I do, with anxiety, I wait to hear the all of a sudden, bloop, bloop, little, little hearts and little thumbs up floating by on the screen. Why? Because it says, I have been seen. And I know that some of you that may be my age and a little bit on the crust of your side, I don't know what's wrong with these people. It's like, well, let me just tell you, before you judge them, that big friggin' boat you got is your attempt to be seen. So don't judge them because a little thumbs up on their phone is what they're after. We have always wanted something that says, see me. And instead of judging everybody about it, just realize it. We all have it. We want to be seen. That's why, that's why and I'm going to just put it in this category with ladies, it's like, this is why you date and associate with some of the worst men in the world. I got, I'm always amazed. You'll see some brilliant young woman, beautiful, forward-thinking, gonna make something out of her life, and then she's dating some dirtbag. You know why? Because he saw her. He saw her and appealed to a fund. not because he was super special, And she'll try to think she can save him and change him and and all that. And it will be like, no, it's because he saw her. It's why we work so hard to be seen. It's it's why we're so daggum depressed. It's because we just want somebody to see us. And when we don't have anybody see us, it's just so daggum depressing. I can remember as a junior, uh, junior higher, and then moving up into senior higher. Um, getting looked at was a big deal. You know, I can remember being a freshman because that was the most awkward moment in the human experience. And, and, and as a young boy back then, You know, and it sounds horrible today, but all of a sudden, as a junior high or in a a high school, you were put in the boys' gym, and then you were put in a shower with a 100 other boys. And up to that point, you had not been seen by anyone other than your mama. And all of a sudden, there you are. But I think even worse than the boys' gym was the dance floor. At the, at the dance on Friday night. When you're standing over there with your other nerdy buddies, and that was me, and you got a friend, because you don't dare to look, but you got a friend to scout for you and say, hey, Sharon Lacey's over there. She's, she's looking at you. What, you think she's looking at me? Yeah, she's, she's looking at you. And all of a sudden, that feeling you got, wait a minute, she's looking at me. And how all of a sudden you're like, there's no way. Or that feeling that you get when you all of a sudden turn your head real quick and she was looking at you and then she turns her head. And you're all of a sudden like, you turn back and act like, why is this in every human being, in every culture, in every time? Because there is this fundamental need and desire to be seen. This little interaction with Philip is loaded, absolutely loaded with theology. And it's interesting, it's all delivered in one line. I had to cut this sermon, I I, I had to reduce it just sitting while during worship was going on. Um, The theology is incredible. In this one phrase, listen to it. And Jesus said to Philip, said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. I saw you. Now, there's a variety of Greek words that can be used for this idea of I see you or I saw you. One Greek word is kind of like where we get the word optometry from is actually the kind of sterile function of the eye. There is another Greek word that could have been used as passive vision, you know, just the idea that your eyes are open and, you know, you're just seeing. There's another Greek word that could have been used that meant that you were seen to inspect something, like you were, you know, looking over a car to see if it had a scratch on it or something. But this particular word, when Jesus says, I saw you, means eyes wide open as to look at something remarkable. Remarkable. Eyes wide open as to look at something remarkable. What a description of the way that God looks at every single one of us. Wide open. What's wide open? It's is that God, God knows everything about you. You know, with, with that dance or... Um, in life, you let people see what you want them to see, and you tend to show them the good stuff about you and try to hide the other stuff. But when Jesus looks at Nathanael, when God looks at us, He looks at us wide open. He sees it all. He sees it absolutely all. He sees totally everything about us. But He looks at us as if looking at something remarkable. Have you ever been looked at as something remarkable? I mean, have you ever had that experience? I've, I maybe have had it once or twice and I married that woman. I mean, it's like, you think I'm remarkable? Okay, will you have me to be your, your husband? I mean, it's like, okay. But have you, have you, have you ever been looked at as something remarkable? Let me ask you this, have you ever wanted to be looked at as something remarkable? I think we all have. I mean, I know ladies, you do. We used to think back in the 50s and 60s that you ladies dress up for us, guys. We now know you don't dress up for us. You dress up for other ladies. So that when you walk into the party, you're something remarkable. And every single one of us have this desire. Gyms are filled every single morning at five o'clock. Not with people who are fully, um, their self-images are incredibly secure and they don't need anybody. And I'm a, No, that's their, that's their canvas to work out this idea of being something remarkable. And I think we've all wanted that. Let me ask you this, have you ever been looked at by somebody remarkable? That changes it even more. I mean, it was one thing for um, Denise Sullivan to look at me, but for Sharon Lacey to look at me, and I actually remember these names from junior high. Sharon Lacey was the prettiest girl in our class. I mean, Denise was nice. Nothing wrong with Denise, but Sharon was the cheerleading type gal, beautiful gal. All the guys loved her. And all of a sudden, it's one thing to want to be looked at, but when you get looked at by something somebody remarkable, that's something different. And I know that there was a time that you did want to be looked at remarkably, before the mistakes, before the blemishes before the comparisons, before the rejections. And one of the things that David knew more than anything else, with all the screw-ups he committed in his life, even with all his flaws, he knew what it was like to be looked at as if he was remarkable. David said in Psalm 139, For God, you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth, your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not... One of them. I mean, David had so many things that he screwed up. He, he was murderous. He committed adultery. He was a lousy father. He was a lousy husband. But the one thing that got him through is you see me. You see me. We are wonderfully made, but it's not that we're so amazing that God wants to look at us. It's so amazing The way God looks at us, that's the change. It's not that you're so remarkable or so holy, you know, or, you know, you've got your act together, so God looks at you. That's false religion. See, false religion says that you got to be pure, good, holy, just, keep all the commandments. And once you've done it, then all of a sudden God turns his head to you at the dance floor. And then God looks at you because you got it all right. You're looking good. You're one of mine. I want to dance with you. And David's like, no, that's not the way it is. I love what David notes about God because Jesus says the same thing to Nathaniel. David wrote down about God speaking to him. You in your book were written the days that were ordained for me when yet there was not one of them. So before even one day happened, you knew me. Jesus said it this way to Nathaniel. Before Philip called you, I saw you. Before Philip called you. See, you are not your parents' idea. Before your parents, he saw you. Before your divorce, He saw you. Before you were famous and wealthy, he saw you. Before you were infamous and broken, he saw you. Before you thought you should go to church, he saw you. Before you realized that you have ever done something wrong, he saw you. Before you were wronged, he saw you. You see, God has predestined, pre-seen every single one of us. Every single thing about our life, every screw up you're about to make, he's already seen it. Every failure you're about to commit, every disappointment, every crime, everything. he's He's telling like, listen, before you even got the idea to come to church, I saw you. I saw what was going on in your life, eyes wide open, but it didn't change the way I look at you. I still look at you as something remarkable, something I want to do something special in. Before Philip called you, I saw you. That's what Paul means when he says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's what he also, when he wrote, before the foundations of the world, Christ died for you. It's like, whoa, that sounds like some time-space thing. And it probably is some time-space thing. But what is it communicating? It's like, before you did anything wrong, before the world even fell, before Eve ate and Adam shared the bite of the fruit and disobedience before God, God was like, my eyes are wide open. I am not surprised by you. And guess what? I know all your screw ups. I know all your mess ups. I know all your broken promises. And I still look at you remarkably. And I wanna know you. Golly. God is amazing. Because when I discover what's going on inside of me, I don't even want to know me. And I definitely don't think you want to know me. But there is something even more important found in this dialogue between Jesus and Nathanael. Let me read it again. Jesus said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the tree, I saw you. Now, you're going to think I'm crazy to say this, but Jesus doesn't just see Philip, does he? He sees the tree, and he knows what kind of tree it is. That blows me away, because every one of us here today is sitting under a tree. It may be a a tree of disappointment, a tree of loneliness, a tree of grief, a tree of shame, a tree of failure. And Jesus not only sees us, but he sees the situation and the influence and the weight of our lives and what we're sitting under. And every one of us here are sitting under a different tree. And Jesus says, I see you, but I also see that you're sitting under this tree. I see the tree too. It's like, yeah, but God, if you knew that I was an abuser. No, I I see that tree. I see you sitting in the shadow of the abuse that you have committed. God, if you knew I was an addict. Yeah, I see the shadow of addiction cast upon your life. God, if you knew, I, I I have a hard time being faithful to my spouse. And, and, and so I love it. It's like, he's like, Nathaniel, I saw you, and I also know what you sit under. And I still want to know you. I still want to know you. Can I share with you something else that I noticed about this, or at least I noticed about life? And you know... What's really crazy about us as humans is that even though we have this desire to be seen and it seems to be something that's in every one of us, we also have this matching need to hide. Um, We wanna be seen, but we hide so much. Why? I kinda came up with three things. Why I hide from you. Why you hide from me and why we hide from each other. One, I'm afraid what will be revealed about us. You know, I think we all do this. I think I'm afraid of what's going to be revealed about me. What if they find out about that? Um, Then I'm afraid of how are you going to use this against me? Have you ever been, especially over the last three years with cancel culture and wokeness and all the other stuff that's going on, have you ever caught yourself reading your text messages or the tweets that you're about to send out or the things you're about to put on Facebook like five times before you push send? Why? Because you don't know what they're going to do with it. But I think we're all afraid. It's like, well, if they find out I have this problem, or these desires, or what What will they do with it? See, I think that's why people don't come to church, because they're not really sure what we'll do with what they will reveal. What if I tell them I struggle with this or with that in my life? You know, that's why Sunday morning is, is I mean, it's, it's awesome, and I think it's even more awesome here, but... There's so much pretension going on on Sunday morning. You know, how are you going, Pastor? You know, you just fought like cats and dogs in the car. You know, you use, I mean, yesterday I was cooking on the grill. And, and (laughs) I forgot to push the meat down with my hand and I put my hand on the grill. I have never... (laughs) used you know occasionally under the your breath you'll say a bad word maybe in some situations you may use the f-word but i in my entire life have not used the f-word at the top of my voice where three pieces of property heard me yell it i was fully revealed And what is the first thing that I thought right afterwards? Oh, crap. What are they going to do with it? You know? Honey? Yeah. I heard the preacher's cussing again. (laughs) You know? See, I think, and, and that's not a good thing. I apologized. And I know if you've been coming here for more than six months, you realize I do a lot of apologizing. But... It's not only what will be revealed, but how will it be used against you that you're afraid of? Or, this is, this is really big for me, is will it prove that I am actually defectively different than everybody else? What if I find out, if I reveal that I have a problem and I have an issue, and it's like, oh, nobody else has this problem. You really are a defective you really are that's why i hate this phrase and if anything should be struck from the from the english language it's the word invalid because break it apart invalid you know and so we hide but have we forgotten the story of adam and eve in genesis 3 When they sinned and discovered their nakedness, they hid themselves with the leaves from a fig tree. Nathaniel is sitting under the shadow of a fig leaf. Why? Because as much as we want to be seen, we are afraid of being seen. But let me just say this. Do not be afraid of being seen by Jesus. Do not be afraid of being seen by God. John 3, 17. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He didn't come here to tell us how screwed up we were. He he sees us walking around with our fig leaves. We're already ashamed. He didn't come to increase the quotient of shame. God did not send Jesus to expose what was wrong with you. God sent Jesus into the world to let you know that he loves you and that he sees you and he desires to save you. God is not checking to see who's naughty or nice. That's Santa. God already knows with his eyes wide open everything about you. And You are not sitting under your tree of pain and failure and despair and doubt. You are not alone. Before you were invited to this church, before you drove by this church and saw its sign, before you looked us up on the website, He saw you. He loved you. And through his spirit, he drew you to this place. As we move into this moment of communion, I love what, I love what Nathaniel says to Jesus. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Because don't we all find somebody who just sucks a little bit more than we do? We all find something to boast about that well at least I'm not as bad as them so Jesus decides and ordains it in time that he would grow up in a little dumpy hill town called Nazareth it's no bigger than it's smaller than uh, Grand Oaks. it's just a little it's like a not even a subdivision Nathaniel says like can anything come out of good out of that? Out of the worst of life and Jesus says yeah I'll tell you what can come out of the worst of lives me so you may think you're living the worst of life you may think you your life is just a dumpy house on top of a dumpy little hill loaded with addictions and compromises and failures and marriages and abuses and uh, uh, your own and those of others Can anything really good come out of it? And Jesus says, oh yes. My kingdom can come out of it. And he says to Nathaniel, you shall see the Son of Man and the angels descending to heaven and to earth. What is he communicating? You will see the kingdom of God come into your dumpy little hill, your dumpy little town, your broken little life. You will see the kingdom of God come. I see you. Philip tells Nathaniel, just like at that junior high dance, hey, Nathaniel, God's looking at you. So Nathaniel goes and talks to Jesus, and what's he do? He catches God looking. So stop hiding yourself with leaves of the tree that you sit under. Stop defining yourself by the worst thing you've ever done wrong. Stop defining yourself by your wealth. Stop defining yourself by your pain. God sees you, and he already looks at you as remarkable. So as we come to communion, I kind of put together what I felt like God was saying. You could call this a prophecy if you want. But I kind of put it together, and I kind of felt like what God was saying to me, and maybe he was saying to you, so, please just let this settle into you if, if you would. Let me speak for God. Before you came looking for me, I have had my eyes on you, and they're wide open. Because to me, you are something remarkable. I know the pressure that you're sitting under, I know how lonely you are, I know your pain. I also know what you're trying to hide and to keep everyone and even me from seeing I am here to give you hope I'm not here to harm you I'm here to save you I'm not here to damn you come to me and you will see the kingdom of God come into your life I know you I love you you are fully seen Father, we thank you so much that you see every one of us. You do not hide your face from us. You did not come into the world to embarrass us in the boys' gym, on the dance floor or to humiliate us with our failures our divorces our addictions our abuses our gender struggles whatever they may be lord god you did not come here to humiliate us you came here whether in our successes or failures because it's interesting both of them are little bit of lie you've come here today to let us know that you see us as we are and you love us so father today we come out of hiding we come to Jesus we thank you because you have told us something good can come out of even the worst little town the worst little life the worst little family the worst little mind and even the darkest of hearts something good can happen the kingdom of God can come and so today as we eat and drink in remembrance of Jesus' death and resurrection we are reminded that you see us